Hello, my name's Laura and this is German Grammar Pod. Today I'm going to be looking at the past tense. Because the past tense is quite a large topic in German, I'm going to split it into three or maybe even four podcasts. In this episode, I'm going to look at the perfect tense because it's the one most commonly used in spoken German. In this episode, I'm going to tell you how to make the perfect tense. Then in the next one, I'm going to tell you when to use it. The perfect tense in German equates in form at least to the present perfect in English. That's the I have done it form as opposed to the I did it form or the I had done it form. Both the English present perfect and the German perfect tense need two verbs to make them, an auxiliary verb or helper verb and a main verb. First of all, I'm going to look at the main verb, then I'm going to come back to the auxiliary verb. In both English and German, the main verb takes the form of a past participle in present perfect or perfect tense sentences. For instance, done is the past participle of do, and eaten is the past participle of eat. We've already met past participles in the episode about the future tense and the verb werden, when I was looking at making the passive. They're the ones where in German, as a rule of thumb, you add a ge on the beginning of the infinitive, and sometimes you replace the n, or both the e and the n, on the end with a t. Well, it's exactly the same form of the verb you use to make the perfect tense. The difference is the auxiliary verb you use to go with it, but I'll come back to that later. First of all, I'm going to give you some examples that follow my rule of thumb. Machen, which means to make, and sometimes also to do, depending on the context, has the past participle gemacht. Sagen, which means to say, has the past participle gesagt. Kaufen, which means to buy, has the past participle gekauft. Warten, which means to wait, has the past participle gewartet. Kommen, which means to come, has the past participle gekommen. Sehen, which means to see, has the past participle gesehen. And schlafen, which means to sleep, has the past participle geschlafen. Going on to the ones that don't follow my pattern, some of them have a simple vowel change, but some go the whole hog and no longer really sound much like the infinitive of the verb. The good news and the bad news is that, following the theory that the irregular words in languages are the words we use a lot, these are some of the most common German verbs. This is bad news because it means that you've got more to remember about a lot of verbs you're going to want to use a lot. But it's good news because it means you're likely to come across them often enough that they'll just start sticking in your mind. So, here's the list. Tun, which means to do, has the past participle getan. Gehen, which means to go, has the past participle gegangen. Essen, which means to eat, has the past participle gegessen. Trinken, which means to drink, has the past participle getrunken. Bleiben, which means to stay, has the past participle geblieben. Schreiben, which means to write, has the past participle geschrieben. Denken, which means to think, has the past participle gedacht. That's a big change, but a very useful verb, so I'm going to repeat that one. Denken, which means to think, has the past participle gedacht. Werden, which we had in the last episode, has the past participle geworden, when it means to become, or a related verb, but has the past participle worden, when it's the past participle of werden as an auxiliary verb used to create the passive. If you're wondering why so few of those ended in a T, the reason is that only regular verbs end in a T. 
Because it's the more commonly used words, it's likely to be irregular. And because I've given you some of the most commonly used verbs in German, not many of their past participles end in a T. Once you get into the less common verbs, you find more and more ending in a T. Apart from the commonness of the verb, the less common it is, the more likely it is to take the regular T ending in the past participle. There's no real rule to which verbs are formed in which way. You just have to memorise them. But they do come up a lot, so you should see them often enough that eventually they just begin to stick. There is also another sort of verb I should just put a mention in about, and that's the ones that form their past participles without having a G on the beginning. Apart from worden, which we've already come across in the passive, and which is a bit of an exception, all of these verbs have an unstressed first syllable. As far as I can make out, to start with, this means that they have to be at least three syllables long in the infinitive. As in two-syllable verbs, you stress the first syllable instead of the en, and in one-syllable verbs, there's only one syllable to stress in the first place. There are two main types of verb in this category with the unstressed first syllable. First of all, you get the verbs that end in ihren, such as studieren or gratulieren. With these, you just switch the en on the end for a t to get ich habe Deutsch studiert or sie hat mir gratuliert. Secondly, you get inseparable verbs. These have a prefix on the beginning, such as be in bedeuten or über in überlegen, that's always firmly attached to the end of the verb. In case you're wondering, there's another sort of German verb with a prefix called separable verbs. With these, you can, and sometimes do, separate the prefix on the beginning from the rest of the verb. With these verbs, you stick your ge between the separable prefix and the rest of the verb. Also, unlike in inseparable verbs, with separable verbs, that first separable prefix is stressed, so you get es hat mir viel bedeutet, meaning it's meant a lot to me, and wer hat die Vase zerbrochen, meaning who's broken the vase, but ich habe angefangen Deutsch zu lernen, meaning I've started to learn German, and meine Mutter hat noch nicht aufgegeben, meaning my mother still hasn't given up. You might have noticed with some of these that like the verbs that get ge on the beginning, inseparable verbs, so ones that don't, can also end in a T or an N, although if they do end in an N, then they'll have undergone some sort of change to the second last syllable, usually just a vowel change, so you can tell them apart from the plain old infinitive. There are also some more verbs that aren't inseparable verbs and don't end in ihren, but which still start with an unstressed syllable. Verbs like prophesyen, to prophesy, and offenbaren, to reveal. These are a bit trickier because although all of them can form the past participle without a ge, some of them can also form it with. So, although the past participle of prophetzion can only be prophetzeit, the past tense of offenbaren can be either offenbart or geoffenbart. For beginners who are starting to feel a bit overwhelmed by how much there is to learn, don't worry. The simple solution is to apply the regular form of the past participle to all verbs, then at least you'll always be able to make yourself understood. It just won't always be technically correct German. Still, everyone will know what you mean. It's like a small child telling you, I goed to the park. It's not technically correct English, but the meaning's perfectly clear. Just to remind you all, to make a regular past participle in German, all you have to do is add a ge on the beginning of the infinitive and replace the n, or in some cases both the e and the n, on the end with a t. So you turn kaufen 
into gekauft, sagen into gesagt and warten into gewartet. So that's the past participle. Now it's time to look at the auxiliary verb that goes with it. In German, most of the time, like in English, this is the verb haben, which means to have. Where you place the verbs works just like it does when you use werden to create the future. You put the auxiliary verb, the haben, second in the clause, just where the main verb would have gone in the present tense version of the sentence. Then you put the past participle at the end of the clause. I'm going to go through all the conjugations of haben with the sentence to have eaten an ice cream to show you what I mean. So you get Ich habe ein Eis gegessen. I have eaten an ice cream. Du hast ein Eis gegessen. You, informal singular, have eaten an ice cream. Er, sie, es hat ein Eis gegessen. He, she, it has eaten an ice cream. Wir haben ein Eis gegessen. We have eaten an ice cream. Ihr habt ein Eis gegessen. You, informal plural, have eaten an ice cream. Sie haben ein Eis gegessen. They have eaten an ice cream. Sie haben ein Eis gegessen. You, formal singular and plural, have eaten an ice cream. That's really all you need to know on the verbs that use haben as their auxiliary to make the past tense. But there is a second sort of verb in German, the sort that takes sein, or as it is in English, to be. So, for instance, you get Ich bin gegangen. I have gone. Du bist gegangen. You, informal singular, have gone. Er, sie, es ist gegangen. He, she, it has gone. Wir sind gegangen. We have gone. Ihr seid gegangen. You, informal plural, have gone. Sie sind gegangen. They have gone. Sie sind gegangen. You, formal singular and plural, have gone. This isn't as weird as it may sound at first. French does it too, albeit not for exactly the same set of verbs that German does it. Dutch does it, and English itself used to do it not so long ago. Jane Austen, an English writer in the early 1800s, used the phrases I am gone and I am come in her novels, where modern speakers of English would use I've gone and I've come. In fact, what German, Dutch, French and non-modern English have in common here is that it is typically the verbs of motion that form the perfect tense with to be. The most important rule to learn is that intransitive verbs that involve a motion from A to B take sein. Intransitive verbs are the ones that don't take an accusative object. Examples of intransitive verbs of motion are gehen, which means to go, or more specifically to go or travel without using a vehicle, fahren, when it means to go or travel using a vehicle, and springen, which means to jump. So you get Ich bin in die Schule gegangen. I have gone to school. Ich bin mit dem Auto in die Schule gefahren. I have gone to school by car. Meine Schwester ist zu hoch gesprungen. My sister has jumped too high. You may have noticed that two of these sentences contain an accusative noun, Schule or school, after I just said specifically that it was verbs that didn't take the accusative object that took sign. Well, the reason for that is that the accusative noun doesn't belong directly to the verb in these sentences. It's got a preposition in front of it, the in, making the link that way instead. So, although there is an accusative noun in the sentence, this still doesn't mean the verb's not intransitive, because the accusative noun is not connected directly to the verb. 
Faden is actually a particularly good verb to illustrate this because it can act either as an intransitive or a transitive verb. When it acts as an intransitive verb, like the Ich bin mit dem Auto in die Schule gefahren sentence I just mentioned, it takes sein in the perfect tense because that's what intransitive verbs of motion do. But when it acts as a transitive verb, that's a verb that does take an accusative object, it takes haben in the perfect tense. Also, the translation of what the verb means changes. So in the intransitive one, it means to travel using a vehicle. But when it acts as a transitive version of the verb, it means to drive. So you get ich fahre das Auto, meaning I drive the car. Das Auto, or the car, being the accusative object that the verb takes. But if you said ich fahre mit dem Auto, meaning I travel by car, then auto is only indirectly connected to the verb through the preposition mit and is in any case not in the accusative because mit takes a dative. So you get the perfect tense versions ich habe das Auto gefahren, meaning I have driven the car, and ich bin mit dem Auto gefahren, meaning I have travelled by car. There is an exception to this rule though, and that's verbs that end in gehen. The reason for that is that some of these take sein, whether they're intransitive or not. I'm not going to give you a rule for that because I don't know all myself. While I'm still on the first rule, I ought to tell you that sein, which means to be, and bleiben, which means to stay, also take sein. They don't exactly fit into that first rule, but then they don't exactly fit into any of the other rules either, and you could claim that there was a sort of logic to calling bleiben a verb of motion. After all, it expresses the fact that you haven't gone from A to B. To give you an example of each of them, you can have Ich bin zu Hause geblieben, I've stayed at home, Ich bin im Kino gewesen, I've been at the cinema. Moving along, the next rule is that intransitive verbs, in other words, the ones that don't take an accusative object, also take sein instead of haben if they involve a change of state. For instance, aufwachen, to wake up, einschlafen, to go to sleep, verschwinden, to disappear, schmelzen, to melt, and sterben, to die, also all take sein. So you get, um sieben Uhr bin ich aufgewacht, I've woken up at seven o'clock. Der Schnee ist geschmolzen. The snow has melted. Und meine Katze ist verschwunden. And my cat has disappeared. Hoffentlich ist sie nicht gestorben. Hopefully she hasn't died. Wahrscheinlich ist sie einfach irgendwo eingeschlafen. She's probably just gone to sleep somewhere. This rule also covers to become. So you get, ich bin Lehrerin geworden. I have become a teacher. In colloquial speech in the north of Germany, it can also include anfangen and beginnen, although in standard German these take haben. A third rule is that most verbs which mean to happen, to succeed or to fail take sein. The list of these that appears in Hammer is gelingen and glücken, which both mean to succeed, misslingen and missglücken, which are the negative versions of the last two and both mean to fail, fehlschlagen, which is another word for to fail, Geschehen, passieren, and vorgehen, which can all mean to happen. Jemandem zustoßen, which means to happen to somebody. Vorkommen, which means to occur. And begegnen, which means to meet by chance or to encounter. The exception is klappen, which also means to succeed. This takes haben, so you get es hat geklappt, meaning it succeeded or it's worked. Now we come on to a part where there's a bit of regional disagreement. 
The south of Germany, anywhere south of Frankfurt on Main, and Austria and Switzerland all use sein with verbs of position, such as stehen, which means to stand, sitzen, which means to sit, or liegen, which means to lie. So south of Frankfurt you'll hear ich bin gesessen, ich bin gestanden, and ich bin gelegen. Whereas north of Frankfurt you'll hear ich habe gesessen, ich habe gestanden, and ich habe gelegen. Both sets of which mean respectively I have sat, I have stood, and I have lain. So that's it. That's how you make the perfect tense. To summarise it all, the perfect tense is a German past tense that uses an auxiliary verb plus a main verb. It's similar in form to the English present perfect, the I have done form. Except in German, some verbs use sein, which means to be, as their auxiliary verb, instead of haben, which means to have. Those verbs, the ones which take to be, are intransitive verbs of motion, intransitive change of state verbs, and verbs meaning to succeed, to fail, to happen, to be, and to become. Also, south of Frankfurt, verbs of position also take sein. The main verb in the perfect tense then changes form to become a past participle, which is the same form of the main verb you use in passive sentences. As a rule of thumb, you make a past participle by adding a ge on the beginning of the infinitive, and sometimes you replace the n or the en on the end with a t. Now you know how to make the perfect tense. In my next podcast, I'm going to tell you when to use it and when not to. So until then, thank you for listening and goodbye.